1: Love Talk
0: Radio. Great join. Good afternoon, my friend. The Nepalese Meditation Bowl is chiming, centering your mind and delight on the art of the CEO. The show that brings you the most fascinating and really the most helpful leaders in the business community from around our terrestrial orb, I am Bart Jackson, your Dante Alighieri of business, and this day, my friend, oil up your silver tongue because we are getting back to the most basic and really the most vital part of business, the art of selling. How good are you at selling? The answer is always, you need to be better. Period. And by the good graces of Ganesh and all the other business gods, we have the gentleman right here who is going to make you a better salesperson, Joe Kaplan, Uh as the top exec and designated sales marketing uh, person for uh, Post Foods, for Nabisco, for Western Union, CIT, accredit Trust, and countless others, and uh, has helped build not just sales strategies, but brought together the teams and the right promotion and marketing setups. And if for the really sharp companies uh, who have seen Joe then they have availed themselves and learned from his art of selling He has founded uh k j w h s Consulting and other firms, so he is the expert to whom you want to listen and so whether you are listening from Belarus, that uh, lush sprawling nation of Kampson, uh, really lovely lakes out there, or you 're uh, one of our listeners from Kyoto. Uh, formerly the 1,000-year capital of the Inch- Imperial Japan, pull up your chair a little closer and partake of our Feast of Wisdom, all carefully cuisined to make your career thrive and your adventures flourish. Joe, I'm so glad you could uh, spring forth from summer and come join us today.
1: Thank you so much, Bart. It's a real pleasure and I love what you do, sharing uh, wisdom and experiences of, uh, of many different folks. I've enjoyed your previous uh, interviews and I
0: Hope I can contribute to the world out there with some knowledge. Oh, I'm sure you can. Well, you know, and the first thing that springs to my mind, the minute I hear selling, I got to tell you, I I hear this all the time. Someone says, oh, oh, I can't sell. I'm just not a salesperson. So I guess from a master like you, how much... Of selling lies in the DNA. I mean, are there really natural salespeople? Uh, and if so, what have they got that the rest of us don't?
1: Well, it's a, it's a great way to start off, Bart. And there's no question that some people are naturally more comfortable with selling. They may be, you know, there's extroverts and introverts. You know, so you may be more comfortable with selling and, and talking to people, but couple of things, the world has changed uh, greatly, obviously with technology and uh, for for good or bad, less face-to-face selling (laughs) takes place and there's a lot of sales and marketing, right, that happens with technology and and remotely not in personal contact. So there's no question you can absolutely um, uh, gather the tools, learn from others and train yourself and work very hard and smart to be a better salesperson.
0: Okay. Well, now, you have hired and built sales teams for uh, uh, Nabisco, uh, uh, Credit Trust Tech, uh, uh, so many firms. Uh, And so I guess I'm asking, when, when Bart Jackson comes into your office and he says, I want to sell for you, What do you want to see in me? I mean, other than the loud red checkered sports coat, uh, the uniform of all good salesmen, right, maybe? Uh, What are you looking for in that salesperson?
1: Well, there's nothing wrong with that red checkered sports coat, Bart. so you can absolutely walk in with that. Um, Actually, everybody should be comfortable in their own skin and their own sports coat. So what I think you're really looking for, and and it ties into, uh, honestly, what's going on in the world today. You know, here we are speaking um, on uh, the 28th of August, and, uh, you know, we really uh, uh, understand that there's some tough things going on out in the world. Um, The hurricane, Hurricane Harvey in Texas, um, our hearts go out to those folks who are fighting hard just to survive. And the reason why I bring that up is it it comes down to empathy. Um, I think you need to to be empathetic towards your your fellow man, fellow person, and, you know, really uh, try to understand others. And that empathy comes through in sales. You know, I, I would always look for people who are, uh, we'll talk about this, very good listeners. You know, you want to understand what that other person is thinking and, and what, what is important to them. When you're a salesperson, you have something to sell. There's no doubt about it. But you really, and we'll talk more about this as well, you, you want to help someone be a, a better buyer of what you may have to offer. So I think empathy is a key key theme and key term that people should keep in mind when they're selling.
0: I think, ladies and gentlemen, we have just heard a timeless truth that it's early in the show, but I think we're going to call this a quill pen moment. Joe has just given us an actual piece of business that uh, has always been and holds true today. So I'd like you to take out your, your pens, dip them in the inkwell, and jot down the fact that empathy... The concern for other people is one of the most powerful business tools you can maintain. And Joe, thanks very much for that. And right along with that, uh, just ending on on that little tempting nosh at today's feast of wisdom, allow me now to to, as proper host, to lay before you a few utensils for furthering today's feast. And the first utensil, as I always do allow me to remind each of you hearing my voice that the good lord has gifted you with the title and privileges of chief executive officer of yourself and since that's the most important position you're you're really ever going to hold in your career may i ask will this be the day that you take a look at your own ambition and examine is that drive really working to your benefit or are you just making your ambition a, a handle for others to steer you toward their own ends. The choice, my friend, is truly yours. And as a second utensil, uh, I can sense your craving to steep your lips into a little laughter and taste a scriptural recitation from the 102 Best Business Squips book. And normally I plow right through it, but this one I pre-selected because I know Joe was coming on. And this is number 87. Marketing is the art of pinning pears on an apple tree, and selling them as exotic. Am I right, Joe? Is that what marketing is?
1: I, I love that quote, uh, Boy. there's no question that you need to learn how to put a spin on certain things. I will caution you, however, and everyone out uh-huh. there, that make sure your spin is uh, transparent and honorable and respectful, and that you deliver at least the best-tasting pear on that apple tree possible.
0: Ah, well, put, well put, as, as very well done. As, as my own afterthought, I would say, I, I agree with you because I would say where you position your product is, of course important. How you position it among the competition is important, but if you really want to move it off the shelves, stop looking at your product and turn your eyes towards the customer's need. And if you smirked a bit over that quip, you may thank the folks at Jeannie Murphy PR where uh, profitable ideas burble forth like a raging client-satisfying fountain. And I really mean that. So that's geniemurphyPR.com. And if you'd like a bit more laughter, we have them literally by the books full. Just visit Bart'sBooks.com and pick up your copy of 102 Best Business Quips or 101 Best Business Quips. Very clever titles. Anyway. Uh, as it's been said about those books, it's a shame they no longer ban books in Boston. And as a third utensil, <laughs> uh, we sumptuously spoon to you the answer of last week's business quotation. And the, the name, So who is the name of the author who noted, Your words surround you like a fog and make you hard to see? I love that. Let me say it again. Your words surround you like a fog and make you hard to see. They were spoken not by some overwhelmed customer in a hard sell but they were spoken by Sir Edward Teach, whom we all know as Blackbeard the Pirate. Yeah, you never know. So stick with us, because later on in the show, blurting your way, is coming another enriching quotation. And if you're among the learned souls who knows the author of that quote, simply scribble that sage's name down as you believe him or her to be and email it right off to info at com. That's I-N-F-O at dot com. And if you're correct, your knowledge will earn you a mind-enchanting gift freshly disemboweled from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. So with our utensils in hand, let's continue with the wise insights of sales guru par excellence, Joe Kaplan. Now, Joe, you founded uh, consulting businesses for marketing and sales when you weren't collaborating as an exec and setting up other sales departments, and you even founded your own product and sold it. So kind of uh, by way of showcasing Joe Kaplan in, in a proper light, I'm going to give, mention two phrases, and if you could give the story behind each one of them. So here's one. This, is, this one was your own product, E-Golf Score. What was that?
1: Thank you so much, Bart. Yeah, that was a fascinating experience. If we can all take ourselves back uh, almost, wow, 18 years. On um, 1999, 2000, uh, the Internet was just kicking in, and mobile and wireless was at the very early stages. And long story short, we uh, had uh, my co-founder uh, Dan Moen, who was the chief Technology officer, had a great idea of using a uh, the web along with the kiosk to record your golf scores. Well, I had been experimenting mm. with the very, very early Blackberry device, which uh, some people may remember. oh my um, gosh, yeah, it was a yeah. Blackberry device way back when, so it was a very innovative uh early disruptive space. And I kind of um, drew out my flux capacitor, remember, from the movie uh, Back to the Future. I kind of drew it on a napkin. uh, (laughs) It it was with uh, wireless, uh, the web, and uh, the kiosk. And basically, we we had to really understand the market, and it was early on. And the first, you know, folks I went up to, there was a lot of rejection, tremendous amount of rejection because (laughs) they didn't even understand what it was. And what I learned early on um, in that experience was it, it wasn't to get upset at the rejection. Once again, you had to listen. And they didn't know what they didn't know. So what we had to do right. is showcase the product and the services and the solutions and the benefits um, at a low cost, oftentimes for free, so they would get some experience with that product. And once they did and they appreciated it, we were able to charge money we were trying to earn for that product over time. And so the early days of eGolfScore was really a a great experience in listening to the customer, listening to the market. Um, You know, not everyone can be like Steve Jobs, right? Steve Jobs would go out there and say, (laughs) the customer really doesn't know what they want. I'm going to tell them. Sometimes you can get away with that, but oftentimes many of us truly have to keep our ears open and, and our hearts and minds open and listen to the customers and what the market is telling them. So that was a great experience. You know, it doesn't uh, seem to work in
0: politics okay. either, I've noticed. You can't tell the people yeah. what, they, what they want. It, uh, sometimes no. you have to listen to the public, right?
1: That's exactly right, and um, I guess for this show we'll keep off our politics to the side, right, Bart? We don't want to get into too
0: much trouble. Oh, absolutely! But I—I I tell you, you've—you've you've hit on something even more sensitive than than uh, politics. You have golf, and golf as i know—I know what I understand about golf is that you is that that's a game where you shoot six and write down five, and I don't know why you would want—I would want my golf score on anyone's website. But there you have it. Uh, <laughs> so moving on, let, let's, let's move on to one other that, uh, that you did. This is more of a standard but very creative promotional uh, hoop dreams. Who was it for, how did it work, and what made it successful?
1: Yeah, this is uh, just a super experience as well. I worked with uh, Western Union as a, as a product manager and worked with the uh, sales teams, and I took a different approach as, as a marketing person. I flew out to all of the sales offices. And I got to know all of the salespeople out on the front line. And, you know, sales and marketing sometimes has, you know, obviously uh, some, some conflicts and uh, don't see eye to eye and everything, but I really told them flat out, I, I work for you. And it was a different approach. Right. And what led to this program was I kept my eyes and ears open for innovative things that could break through the clutter in the marketplace, but that the salespeople would really get behind and leverage for their markets. And Hoop Dreams was just a really uh, neat program for those who may not know. It was a six-year documentary that these filmmakers uh, followed uh, two young men in the Cabrini-Green projects in Chicago uh, and on their quest uh-huh. to, to get into the NBA. And at mm-hmm. first you'd say, what does that have to do with Western Union? But what I did is I, I took a step back and I thought about target audience. And for Western Union, there was a lot of uh, communities and the demographics and big cities that we were going after and the same audience that this film was going after. So we put together a Hoop Dream essay contest that uh, joined some other companies, and, and the young kids would get a chance to write in what was their dream. And what was neat about the program is it involved everyone, sales, marketing, operations, And it was just a great experience for me. Once again, on the selling side, it wasn't just about selling Western Union financial services. It was about understanding how target audiences that may use our services, what other things are they interested in? And by doing this program, we were able to take probably a few hundred thousand dollars and make it work uh, to the tune of about 10 or 20 million from a media standpoint as we promoted this program throughout the United States.
0: That's my kind of numbers, i got to tell you. I think what I liked. to see, you said two things in there that I really, really like to hear. Number one was you set the essays out. You got an, an interaction going between client and client's family and uh, the, the company, that is, but with the essays. And the other thing you did was you said right there, my intent was to make that, Um, It was a marketing move that could work to leverage sales. Sometimes in companies, a wall drops down between marketing and sales. And an issue really broke that, and that was great. So if you have just joined us, you're listening to The Art of the CEO, which every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time streams magically through the profoundly misperceived realms of cyberspace, where you may listen... Uh, to all our episodes and download them by visiting theartoftheceo.com. We are on many stations, but the easiest way to find them all is just visit theartoftheceo.com. Now, Joe, I I know it's an old uh, Kaplan maxim, and you you referred to it earlier, but uh, I I just like the idea that, that you've said you can survive by selling to customers, but if you want to flourish... You have to help people buy. What's the difference between selling and helping people buy? What's that?
1: Yeah, it's such a critical difference because everybody's excited about what they have to offer, and they just start talking about, you know, here's what I have to sell you, here are the features, here are the benefits. And they're not really, once again, listening carefully to what the buyer might be looking for and and how to help Mm -hmm. people buy as opposed to selling I think a company like Amazon is obviously at the top of their game with that. You know, the the algorithms that they use, they really look to understand. So it's not only using technology through data and analytics and understanding your customers better, but it's really getting on their side of the table. How do I help them buy what they want? Now, it's not to say, right, that as a salesperson, you don't want to get the opportunity to talk about all of the great things your product or solution or services can do for That, that intended prospect or customer, but it's coming no. from the position of what they're looking for. So it's kind of flipping the model a little bit and I think uh-huh. you know understanding your customer and how they want to buy, what they want to buy will make you a better salesperson.
0: I see okay, I, I, I think that's there's quite a turnaround there, and that if you can make that attitudinal shift, uh, as Joe says, you are going to make yourself a better salesperson. So with uh, your mind bulging <laughs> with new sales strategies and some more effective deliveries, why not allow yourself a pause and take a brief survey from our Feast of Wisdom and allow me to introduce you to the companies by whose good graces we're here today. And the first one is the newly transformed marketing consulting firm of Genie Murphy PR. And, you know, I've, I've just got to tell you, Whoever put this creative marketing programs and the wise advice in Mrs. Murphy's chowder deserves a great reward. I have watched Jeannie Murphy and her team analyze and creatively emerge with incredibly effective marketing programs from everything from board games to B2B services. So if you need a boost, be kind to your revenue stream and visit JeannieMurphyPR.com. And the second uh, company, I would uh, allow me to introduce to you Prometheus Publishing, uh, the firm with concise counsel from Business Masters, and uh, they would like you to take a look at the the volume. So that's how they do it tactics from business masters it's a volume deliberately designed for those among you who are what i call the energized elite if you're one of those individuals who's willing to seize a good idea rise up out of your cotton pick and swivel chair and apply it to your own job or business you are going to want to take a look at the disciplines the tactics the techniques and the attitudes that uh that you're going to need to develop that, are, that lie within this book. They're written by masters who've proven their success. So pick up your copy at BartsBooks.com. And speaking of business masters with a proven track records, let's turn our ears back to Joe Kaplan, who is sharing with us his incisive solutions to some very real sales and marketing challenges. And Joe was one that that you have that uh, I think a lot of us don't understand, so I was hoping you could shed some light on us. For so many retail items, as I understand it, at least half the whole sales battle is getting the product onto those big retail chain shelves. Now, when you were new product manager for Nabisco and uh, VP of Development for Post Foods and, and, and so many others, this was part of your life. You, so I was wondering, could you kind of trace for us the negotiator of dance here. Uh, I mean, I see this powerhouse manufacturer squaring off against a powerful retailer. How did you get your items in prominent places in big stores?
1: Tell you, Bart, very carefully and very respectfully. Um, it, 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 really <laughs> was, um, it truly was a game that, you know, uh, both sides need each other. Right, the retailer right. Um, uh, is on the front line uh, and, and is right with your customer, and, and of course you have the product that they're looking to present to their customers. And then another curveball is that you're often making private label products for that retailer that compete with your own product.
0: So,
1: oh, of the most course. Difficult- no. Right. And what's happened today, too, is is to be as collaborative as possible with that retailer. So you really had to open the kimono, so to speak. You you really had to share your data, your analytics, your learning, and partner early on with, you know, the retailers such as Walmart, Kroger, and all these uh, massive stores that... They control obviously a big part of the retail space, but if you want to respectfully get the space on their shelves and 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 sell your product to their customers, you have to share as much information as possible and ask them to do the same as much as you could. And then that's so it was a really collaborative approach. And and I think until you get to that point and you're gonna have some wins and losses, but the only way to move forward successfully and, and even more so, obviously, if you're a small company trying to get into those big stores. But if you have something of value, you have something that can be of value to their customers and consumers and can communicate that clearly and properly, you will absolutely have a chance to succeed.
0: Well, uh, Joe, I, uh, to continue this for a moment, you, you, you said you talked about the small stores. Uh, if it's one thing if you're post Foods and you're sharing uh, your ability to your, your, the uh, quantitative moves of your product. Don't a lot of the small companies get kind of eaten up by uh, the contracts of the, the larger chains because they, because of huge inventory uh, demands made and so forth?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Great question. You know, I've heard people you know flat out say you know, totally excited, wow, the greatest thing happened today and the scariest thing happened today. You know, I just sold yeah. Walmart on my profit, right? Because they do recognize that, uh-oh, what does that mean? And there are definitely plenty of stories out there, Um, you know, that it, it was difficult for certain firms to couldn't keep up with the requirements of a major retailer. And, you know, there's pricing pressure constantly, especially when you're selling your product through the lowest cost, re- you know, lowest retail price, sure. low prices. So that's a difficult yeah. thing. But, and, and all you know, the big again, box stores are low price. Exactly. You know, and it's a trade-off. It's, you know, it comes down to taking a step back, you know, what's your strategy? How do you want to grow your company? And there's no question you can, from a sales perspective, you can grow too quickly or in too fragmented a way. You know, I think that's the greatest advice I've seen, you know, uh, just tremendous uh, gurus out there that I look up to Uh, over the years have talked about is, you know, starting off slow, small, be be smart about how you do things, and grow and scale, you know, so you can handle it because sometimes you can grow too quickly and it kills you or you grow in a way that you can't control your product quality, the value you started off wanting to bring. So I think it has to Mm. be a very thoughtful, methodical approach, and especially if you're a small company.
0: Right. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad you put that in. And there are times when you 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 can't always just grab at every deal and and go for it. Now, I've heard uh, you, Joe. You talk about when it comes to selling. You talk about relentless passion, that sort of unique sales ability to smile and keep on selling past the second, the fourth, the tenth rejection. And that's all part of it. And it, it's it, that sounds very motivational. But there has to be a time when, when you, you look at those rejections and say, wait a minute, th- this isn't right. This, I don't want this deal. This is, I don't want this product. Uh, when do you know when to back off? I mean, how many, uh, like the Bible, who says 70 times 7, I shall forgive thee. Uh, how do you know how far to go and, before the, the rejections start giving you signals?
1: I tell you, boy, it is one of the most difficult things that I know everyone faces all the time. And there are some folks out there that, you know, there are three words I used to repeat around the uh, dinner table for my uh, three boys. Never uh-huh. give up. And if you throw Kaplan's in there it was Kaplan's never give up. And uh, there's, a right. like, there's an access here because I-, I am very relentless myself and I do like to follow through and everything. And I mentor and coach a lot of people. And, you know, I try to tell them to do the same. They have to be very passionate and committed. And relentless passion says, you know, when you try nine times and it doesn't work, you try the tenth, you try the eleventh. But for many things, there is that time where you have to be smart and say, when, when do you move on? It is a personal choice for everyone, and each situation is different. But, but I would say that, you know, some of the things is if you have enough, you shouldn't just go after three opportunities or three things a hundred times. So I think the secret is you've got, to, you've got to go deep, you've got to keep trying, but you've also got to go wide as well. You have to have enough in the hopper so if you try the 10 or 20 or 30, you're not discouraged when you get all those rejections. There's new opportunities around the corner. There's new people to talk to. That's the part of never giving up I think is important. So don't ever give up on your master goal and what you're trying to achieve. Don't ever give up on that. But with certain specific situations, yes, yeah, sometimes, um, you know, it's fourth down and, and you have to punt. You can't go for it.
0: Okay. Joe, I wanted to get a whole lot of these in, but we're quickly running out of time. I was wondering, I, I've gathered a whole series of uh, actual difficult self situations, and uh, these are from entrepreneurial people, and so I just want to give one challenge to you to, to get your answer on it. Uh, this is a, uh, and see how you, uh, what this company should do. They've got a kitchen product that has swept the shelves right here in the New York, New Jersey area. Now they want to expand outside their region, and they had their eye on a spot in Tennessee. And they know it's a whole different culture uh, from the home base what are some of the regional adjustments that they're going to have to make? And how do I look at this out-of-region selling strategy?
1: Yeah, you just hit on it uh, very well there, Bart, where you know, just because you're successful in one particular area region from a geography standpoint doesn't mean you own the other one. I think it's a combination of two things. One, it's doing some of that initial research in that area. Does the product immediately translate to the folks who are going to be buying in that particular geography. It's very possible it does, but you don't you can't you really have to talk to potential buyers and customers and consumers and then make the tweaks necessary. It could be, you know, a, a different product offer. It could be, you know, slightly different pricing or packaging or how you present your product or solution, this particular kitchen product, but it is really understanding your target audience. And your customer, and I think you can do that from a marketing standpoint. Once again, as, a, as a, from a selling standpoint, it's understanding all the different tools you have in your toolbox and how to present that in the best way to that particular target audience. So it's knowing as much about them as possible to be successful.
0: Okay, all right. Now, if I am an entrepreneur with a new product, and um, like uh, like we've just given you, uh, how might I? Uh, and, or I need a sales team let's say how might I get in touch with Joe Kaplan to to get some good v- advice and a uh, little wisdom?
1: Thank you so much and I always look forward to meeting new people and helping out. There's two ways you can reach me very easily. One is my email address which is Joe Kaplan J-O-E-K-A-P as in Peter, L-A-N as in Nancy Joe Kaplan 2058 at gmail.com and my mobile number 908 5535091
0: Okay I thank you very much for for coming on Joe this has just been a, a so enlightening for me and I'm sure for for uh, each individual out there and um, I hope you I hope it's been fun for you too
1: It's been terrific for. Well, thank you so much and and I really once again love the way you share wisdom and knowledge with your audience and uh, hopefully I added some value today for, for you and, uh, and that audience. Thank you so much again.
0: Thank you, and you did indeed. And as we round out today's feast, I am Bart Jackson, your curator of business wisdom, leaving you with today's quotations, um, who said, when facing a salvo uh, from a stranger, he said, I am fiercely willing to put uh, – I'm, I'm sorry, I am fiercely loyal to people – who are willing to put their money where my mouth is. (laughs) And as a (laughs) hint, uh, the author of that was that legendary radio news commentator who gave us his rye wit along with the rest of the story. And remember, if you know the author of that quote, just jot that author's name down as you believe him or her to be. Send it right off to info at bartsbooks.com to win an absolutely life-changing, career-igniting gift from the dungeons of Bart's Books Bookstore. And as, uh, as a parting shot, in the words of my wife's husband, businesses are very good at targeting wasteful government spending. They just find that government agency who is making their firm comply with the law or regulation, and all of a sudden that becomes the wasteful agency that should be done away with, for the public good, of course. <laughs> and to you, uh, gleefully sharing our, our feast of wisdom i hope you've enjoyed the art of the ceo show as much as joe and i have enjoyed bringing it to you and remember that you may download this on all our shows by visiting theartoftheceo.com and finally to you who have honored us with your time this day may i say as always it has been a privilege i thank you